shift into an attitude of gratitude. Welcome to the Millionaire Woman Show, where we'll be discussing leadership, business, human potential, inspiring you to live rich from the inside out. Unlock your creativity, stretch out of your comfort zone, break through your barriers, take inspired action, and achieve epic results. Now here's your host, three-time best-selling author, speaker, and certified executive coach, Deborah Kozowski. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another Millionaire Woman Show, where we talk about principles of leadership, business, and life to help you live your life rich from the inside out. Today's special guest is Jay Gabrani, and he is the founder of Prepared Fathers. After his first child was born in 2005, Jay jumped into the world of real estate investing. Despite several challenges along the way, he built a multiple seven-figure real estate portfolio, and this portfolio helped take him to a multi-year sabbatical to deal with his heartbreaking personal tragedy when his wife passed away in 2014. This experience led Jay to reevaluate the purpose of his life while taking a multi-year sabbatical before his wife passed away. Jay thought his he was financially prepared. And after going through this experience of being the executor of his wife's estate, he realized he wasn't. Today, Jay makes an impact raising his three children and empowering fathers to secure their family's financial future as the founder of Prepared Fathers. He also achieves this through his one-on-one -on -one and group coaching programs and his daily podcast, uh, Minute with Jay. He is a frequent podcast guest and does limited number of speaking engagements. And you can learn more about Jay at www.preparedfathers.com. Please welcome my special guest and new friend, Jay Gabrani, to the show. Hi, Deborah. Great to be with you. Great to be with you too. Thank you so much for joining us. And this is such an important topic because you never know. Um, in my world of background is nursing. Yeah. And I know from my own personal experience that a person's life can change within minutes. And we're not ever totally prepared, but I know that you have built a system that allows people to be more prepared than if they didn't do anything at all. And as I was perusing your website, mm -hmm. Gills Pay the Bills. Let's start there. I love sure. how you were talking about that on your blog. And, yeah. and tell us a little bit about more about your journey before you dive into that. Okay, great. So, um, yeah, I'm located in Toronto, born and raised. And I'll take you back to, uh, you know, my teenage years. I took a family trip, a trip to India. And it was there for the first time I experienced my grandfather's business. I was enthralled by it all. You have to understand my parents who were here, they were working in companies and government, et cetera. So there was no business experience. And when I saw my grandfather's business, he kind of gave me that little clue that if you ever want to be free, do your own business. So I told my parents, I'll never work for anyone after 25. They did that whole, you know, they rolled their eyes a little bit. But then they uh, said, just go get an education. So I did that, did the whole university thing, became a professional accountant, designated, but I also realized that it wasn't for me. And that was the day, the day before my 25th birthday is the last day I ever worked for anybody. So I've been on my own in the 20 plus years since. Talk and about vision. 
Uh, I just knew it wasn't for me, Deborah. Like I, I saw the one nice thing I had learned at a young age was look at people who are 10, 15, 20 years older than you doing the thing that you are doing. So in the accounting firms, I was lucky to have work placements while I was in university. A big accounting firms, Deloitte, Touche, Pricewaterhouse. I looked at the people who are in management and senior management and uh, I didn't like what I saw. So I was like, I better get out of this as fast as I can. So that's exactly what ended up happening. Smart thinking. Yes. Um, and then after that, on the personal side, yeah, got married 2004, three children, 2005, 2007, 2009. Uh, so you can just say really busy, hustle bustle. And I was also, that's when I started after my first child was born, my son Jaden, back in 2005. Uh, that's when I first started building a real estate portfolio right in your hometown. I basically started in Edmonton. Yeah. And, um, didn't do very well because I started right at the top of the oil oil price where yeah. credit crisis was just hitting. Uh, so I kind of bombed, but I switched strategy, came back to Ontario, just where I live in Oakville, and uh, started investing there. And that has turned out very, very well. So yeah, I'm, I'm just like a, like a lot of people out there, you know, love my family, want to support them, want to protect them, etc. cetera. Uh, my, my path was business and real estate other paths, you know, people are executives, et cetera. They might have different things, but that was my path. Uh, so yeah, that kind of gives you a basis of like where I was personally and uh, the family situation. So now when you're teaching families and preparing fathers, yes, and of course, you know, we were talking about how these skills, are, they're universal across the board, but you yes. work mainly with preparing fathers for financial future. Yes that skills pays the bills. Tell us a little bit more about that. Well, that one is the one I use with my children all the time, right? And some of my previous businesses were like restaurants, big cafe restaurant. I had a lot of employees who were teenagers and they would earn minimum wage. So I used them as an example and I was showing my children that, you know what, back then, uh, that's kind of the jobs that were available and that's what young people had to do. Nowadays with the internet, and just with smartphones, their world is completely different, right? Like they're so young, they have so many opportunities. So I encourage them. And what I kind of instill in them is educating them on the right skills. So mm -hmm. people might be wondering, the skills that I teach my children are very simple. They're sales and marketing skills and investing skills. They've been watching that growing up. They've watched the real estate portfolio. Like we basically live minutes away from all of the houses that we have in our portfolio. So I pick them up from school, we drive by a property, I'm explaining things to them. So that's, those skills, people might wonder why sales and marketing? Well, in today's world, basically that's what everyone's doing. Whether you're working for someone, whether you have your own business, at some point you have to make sure you know how to communicate with people and you have to pick a market to serve. And if you have marketing and sales skills, that really helps you identify all of that stuff and provide the right audience value. So they see my example, you know, fathers, I'm in the market, I'm a father, et cetera. So, you know, the market you understand is always, I find the market that you can develop a business in. So mm -hmm. I try and teach them those skills so that they realize that they don't have to work if they choose, they don't have to work for minimum wage. They don't have to have any of these jobs. Now with little things like Kijiji, uh, lemonade stands, online stores, merch like they have this little nickname merchandise they can sell all kinds of things and make themselves money all the gig economy stuff so 
I'm a big believer that they get exposed to these things early. Like my kids are 10, 12, and 14 right now. And they've been hearing about this stuff their whole life. And trust me, sometimes they don't like hearing about it. They're like, Papa, that's, that's a lot. Like it's so much. But that's kind of the stuff that I know that every father, every parent has something kind of special that they can give their children as a gift. And that's just my thing that I just, these are skills that I know that regardless of where the future goes, wherever technology goes, they can use those skills. So that's what skills pay the bills is all about. I think that's putting you as a beautiful role model for your kids, but not only that is reminding parents that they have these skills, not just the, not just the disciplinarian, not just the ones who are putting food on the table, but to share a skill set with them that they can continue to use and eventually monetize as well. 100%. There's all kinds of don't want it. (laughs) Oh, 100%. Uh, See that desire. I tell them, I can't give them the desire. Yeah, uh, but they need to come up with that. But then the ideas out there are plentiful, but they'll apply those skills no matter what idea, no matter what passion they have, all of those things, they all come after the base skills we teach them now. So my kids have an understanding of, you know, like uh, copywriting, they have an understanding of branding already. They understand real estate investing. My 14 year old could have a quite intelligent conversation with most adults about real estate investing. So Excellent. I just figure get them started young. And wherever it takes them, it takes them. But I think that's my response. My responsibility is I know these skills. I've used these skills and developed them. I want to make sure they have them too. That's really, yeah, it's a big part of what I think uh, I do. as a And that's a valuable legacy. Because when I think about, you know, kids, there's so many opportunities. Yet I also see another set of kids thinking that they're down and out because they don't have opportunity. Yet opportunity presents itself all the time it's a matter of where you're looking for it 100 percent. if they kind of focus on looking for it they will find it but if they focus on playing video games and watching netflix and hanging out with their buddies it's not going to find that so they have to find it for sure and you actually have a resource on your website where you tap into one of the resources to help people develop those skills I basically, uh, the blog is kind of the resource. It's not so much like a Wait, checklist. That Gen, Gen M? Oh, Gen M, yes. Yeah. Gen M is slightly a little different. As entrepreneurs, we're always looking to add talent to our team. And Gen M is a website where there's university students who are in marketing and they want to get experience. They offer themselves up for 12 weeks as an apprentice, 10 hours a week in return for a meaningful assignment with your business. And uh, I find that I've hired several and two of them have gone on to become full-time employees with me after 12 weeks because you get to train them, you get to see them, fantastic people. So they, I happily added them to my team. A couple of others maybe didn't work out, but they still got great experience and we still got some sort of assignment done. So yeah, that's that's a resource I encourage. If you're an entrepreneur, and you maybe are a little budget constrained, or maybe you just don't even know what you want in terms of an assistant, definitely reach out to Gen M, take a look at their ads. So it's G-E-N, short for generation, and M, for short for millennial. These are all university students. And trust me, Deborah, whatever they're learning in university, it's, uh, not, it's not that useful. So they need, to be, <laughs> they need to be trained, they need to be trained with yeah. digital marketing things. Yeah. Uh, that again, you as a business owner should have some access to that. Yeah. 
that'd be my no, and I, and I just love how it that skill pays the bills and you leveraging that resource, how powerful it is oh, yeah. in you know not only demonstrating for your family but showing these young adults that yeah, there's people here who would love to help you earn the skills so you can pay your bills, right? Definitely, and uh, I can guarantee you the the two that I've hired pretty well full time. That's exactly what happened. 12 weeks before, they didn't have those skills. I put them through training programs. I gave them meaningful assignments. And basically, as an entrepreneur, as an employer, I'm very used to this from my previous businesses. The first three months, you, you know, you're not getting full value per se because they don't quite know what they're doing yet. Yes. Yeah. So I love that idea of 12-week apprenticeship at 10 hours a week. It helps you evaluate them, them evaluate you. And then by the time the 12 weeks is up, yeah, these guys were ready to go. So it earned them money just being in the, being apprentices for my company. Yep. Now they're earning money from it. So win-win. Excellent. Excellent. I love that. So one of the things that I wanted to talk about, I know, you know, having the personal tragedy in 2014. Yes. When you realized that you weren't as prepared as you thought you were, what were the first thoughts that went through your mind at the time? Yeah, I can remember it all rather vividly. So I'm like, I went over the family background. So I was the outwardly focused spouse, business, real estate. My wife was the inwardly focused spouse, you know, all the domestics, the children, obviously super busy. So when she passed away in 2014, uh, overnight, my kids were five, seven and nine at the time. Overnight, it all became my thing. All right. So forget about the financial stuff for a second, just the life, everything in life, the routines, the play day, all of that stuff uh, became my thing. And I didn't really know anything. So to me, it had to be one of those situations where I just had to uh, leave. I had to like, I shut down the business I was running at the time, a marketing agency. And I just went on sabbatical after she passed away. Mm -hmm. During that sabbatical, I was also, I had an experience where I was the executor of her estate. Now, I mentioned earlier, I'm trained as an accountant, like a, I got designated as a chartered accountant, and I'm a, a, like a decade-long real estate investor, two decades-long entrepreneur. So you would figure paperwork and this stuff, I'd be able to handle it, but I wasn't. Like, there was so much stuff I didn't know, information, her passwords, some account information, the location of her safe deposit box keys. I had no idea where any of these things were. And on top of dealing with the emotional toll of losing your spouse, you know, you have to deal with all these big companies like banks and insurance companies, and they're not making it easy because all the privacy laws, they want to make sure you have everything, you know, tied together nicely. So the whole experience was rather difficult. Um, she, you know, she had properties in her name, getting everything over. I wasn't prepared for it. And then I just talked to other fathers, Deborah, and I said, like, you know, hey, guys, if something like this happened in your life, how ready would your family be? How kind of like prepared are you guys? Emotionally, yeah, people are going to hurt. But is there another level of hurt when it comes to the finances? And there were most of the answers I got back were not very good. Uh, most fathers said not prepared if something happens to one of us. So uh, six out of 10 did not have a will. Okay, to me, I, if there's one thing that your audience can walk away from here, please, is if you have assets, and you have children, you must have a will. Like, not legally, but as a parent, 
please, you must reach out, even start something inexpensive, get something online going, show it to a lawyer after, or budget's not a concern, go right to a lawyer and get the will created. Because that's like, in terms of financial preparation, being ready for life's curveballs, that is like at the top of the list. You must have one if you have parent, uh, if you have children and you have assets. So my experience uh, was not good. And then when I found out that other fathers would not have a good experience, that was the idea behind prepared fathers. That's how it was born. I just recognized that this all has to change and nobody talks about it, right? Like I'll ask you, do you remember going through personal finance in school? No. Can I ask why not? <laughs> like why is this? <laughs> right. <laughs> something we talked about. Exactly. And that's the thing. What is applicable to every household. Every household has to deal with their finances. We weren't taught this stuff in school. So when I say I focus on fathers, let's say you're a father who wasn't taught anything in school. Let's say you didn't have the greatest role model as your parents. You're out there now managing your finances. What if the stuff you're doing is wrong? Right? Like people don't necessarily see that. It's not talked about. Well, that's my job. My job is to come in and make sure people understand that what you might be doing, who you might have learned from, it might be wrong. So how about we look at this, step back, and go step by step through this of financial preparation, and how can we kind of accomplish that? So a lot of fathers are in that boat, and those are the fathers that I tend to help the most. So how do you simplify that decision-making and helping people get prepared? Okay, so you know what? There is a, uh, a resource that, actually we'll give a couple of resources to your, to your audience. The first resource then, uh, I'll ask them, they can go to preparedfathers.com forward slash Deborah. And what they can download there are going to be two kind of checklists. The first checklist is called the ultimate guide to financial preparation. Okay. The content of that guide covers off my four step. It's called the PACT. P-A-C-T. P for paperwork, A for assets, C for conversations you need to have, and T for the team you need to have around you. That, if you go through the PACT, you will then see kind of what it takes to be financially prepared. So that's what I outline people and that's what I take them through step by step. Some people asset wise are good. They have assets, but they don't have their paperwork in order and they haven't had the right conversations. Some people, maybe they've had conversations, but their assets aren't good. So I meet them where they are, but I encourage people to just go get that resource free and all that and you can go read it and then you can assess where you are yourself in your own situation. That's what I really want parents and especially fathers to realize. If you are over overseeing your family finance, then there's things that are blind spots right now to you. I already know it. Without knowing who you are, I already know that there's blind spots. Uh, if you download that resource, it'll start helping you cover off your blind spots. So what's the number one enemy when it comes to securing your family's financial future? Yes. You know what? It's so easy, but it kind of hits people between the eyes. It's their simple lack of awareness and attention to it. Mm -hmm. Plain and simple. For whatever reason, I, I talk about it in three stages. Financial ignorance, financial negligence, and financial preparedness. Financial ignorance is, you know, the people who are la-di-da, everything will work out just great in the world. You know, I'm not worried about it when they don't have any consideration. They don't even know what they don't know. They're, they're kind of in the ignorance level. But now, let's say there's people in the audience who maybe classify as that. But now, after hearing you and I talk, and again, I hope your audience appreciates 
the questions that you're asking here because, you know, like it's something that can really help them. Once they've heard a conversation like ours, now they've graduated from ignorance because now they know, right? Like now they've heard it for the first time. So now they graduate to negligence. They know it. They haven't done anything about it. But then the last level is preparedness. They know it. They've taken the steps, right? Get a will, understand your insurance plan, understand your paperwork, have the conversations, build a team, etc. When they've taken these steps, now they're prepared. So I like to see the graduation from people. And as long as they are moving forward, then that's great. And our little saying is, you know, prepared fathers are better fathers. So we encourage, we encourage all parents, but mainly fathers, get financially prepared, right? Your family's worth it. Your children are worth it. Why, uh, why not be prepared for life's curveballs? It's so important to everybody. One of the things I like to say is once you're self-aware, there's no turning back. You got to make it. a change. So I love how you go from ignorance to, you know, negligence and then that awareness. Because once you're aware of your finances, you have no excuses as to why you're not getting the results that you want, why you can't be prepared for that financial future should a tragedy strike or let's say, you know, life threw you a curveball yes. and you need to be able to deal with it. 100%. So yeah, and let's point out the curveball. My curveball obviously was pretty well the worst with my wife passing away, but maybe it's a job loss. It could be a recession, a divorce. These are all examples of curveballs. And it's just good to have plans in place in case any of these things, uh, not if, it's more a matter of when, right? We're all going to get hit by it. We, not, we might not know when. Mm -hmm. We might not know what the curveball is. But yes, I guarantee you in life, you live long enough, it's going to happen. Yeah. So be ready for them. That'd be great. And you like to talk about railroad tracks to your financial future. Yes. And I'm going to guess it has something to do with being on track and off track, but I'm not 100% sure. So <laughs> Yes, this one is another good one that I use as a framework for my children. I simply say to them, look, guys, when it comes to money and your personal stuff, there's two railroad tracks. The first track is your income track. That's the money you need to make today to pay your expenses today with to hopefully make over and above your expenses so that you can then take that money and put it on the second track, which is your wealth building track. So these tracks operate, you know, simultaneously. You have to basically... As you were younger, all right, maybe you don't have any wealth yet. You are just starting with your income track. That's where those digital marketing and sales skills come in. Earlier when we talked about skills pay the bills, mm -hmm. those skills are to help them on their income track. And then when they have money, then the investing skills are designed to help them on their wealth track. So that's what railroad tracks are. That's how I use it to teach my kids. And I encourage other fathers, like, use that example. I like to have things that I can explain so that my eight-year-old and 10-year-old or whatever can understand it. Because then I know I understand it. So I, I like to simplify the explanations. And that's kind of exactly what railroad tracks are all about. Makes total sense. So if I have some extra wealth, tell me, how can I learn to make money with my own money? Great question. So here, again, we have two big resources to trade off. One is our time. One is our money. So when you ultimately want to... Uh, create money with your money, you now have to look at investing strategies, which are what I call passive in nature. Okay, because active things in nature, by the very definition of being active, they need your time. Let's say you wanted to choose real estate investing, and you chose the strategy of doing a flip. 
Well, guess what? A flip is going to take quite a bit of your time, all the planning, the actual work, etc. Whereas let's say you lent money out on a private mortgage. All you do is lend out the money. It's secured on the title by the lawyers and you're just earning interest. That's passive. Same asset class, but one is active, one is passive. So I encourage people, if you have extra money put aside, concentrate on the activities that are passive investments. Examples are private lending, corporate bonds, which would give you fixed rates of interest, um, put op selling, selling options. It's a little detailed, but it's a great way to earn cash flow if you have extra money sitting around. I think idle equity, Deborah, yeah, you should have some, just that's your rainy day, emergency, whatever you want to call it. But after that, people should realize that when you're keeping your cash in a bank and they're paying you half a percent, um, inflation is like two to 3% every year. So every year you just leave money idle, I call it, idle. Uh, every year you leave it idle, you're losing some purchasing power. So I would encourage people, if you have extra cash put aside, keep some, but then get the other ones. Every dollar is a soldier. I suggest you put the soldiers to work, right? Like put them out there. They're employees, the way I look at it. So uh, it's best to put our employees to work so they can earn us money passively. So you have here that you have a personal topic that you like to talk about. So I'd like to, I'm, it really piqued my interest yes. about what you have in common with the, with the family of Kate Spade and Anthony Bourdain. Okay. All right. So this is going to tie back to my wife. All right. So, okay. um, you know, it's one of those things where uh, that happened in 2014. So yes. if we were talking about it back then, I probably wouldn't have been able to talk about it. But um, my wife, basically, Deborah. so I like, just to recap, you know, married 2004, three kids, 2005, 2007, 2009. Yes. So she was a very busy lady. And uh, back in 2011, she had a little slip and fall accident. The next day she went to the doctor and the doctor prescribed her Oxycontin painkillers. Mm -hmm. And let's just say that that next three years from 2011 to 2014, was uh, something that I would never wish upon anybody. Mm. It was exceptionally difficult as my wife developed, unfortunately, an addiction mm. to those pills. You throw in the fact that there's three young children in the house, um, you know, she suffered also from depression. Yeah. So the, unfortunately, what I have in common with the families of them is yes, all of these folks took their own life. Yeah. So, um, that's kind of, you know, that's what I have in common with them. It is a topic very important. Like I'm no expert by any means, mm -hmm. right, on this topic. I just lived an experience which, uh, you know, people I hope never, ever, ever have to go through. And when you go through it, you know, I'm a big believer. If you can somehow take the most painful experience of your life and somehow convert it, which is, again, it was her passing that led to the sabbatical, which led to the executor stuff, which led to the other conversations with fathers, which then led to prepared fathers. So it's a direct line I can, I can mm -hmm. see when I look back. And um, yeah, that's, that's what that, that story is about. It's a personal topic because I know there's people in your audience that are suffering from these types of things, right? I know there's some people who have mental health issues. I know some people may have some addictions. Um, so this not, we're not talking about financial preparedness here, right? Now we're just talking pure human to human. Yes. And uh, it's one of those things where if you are suffering, I hope that you can reach out. If someone in your family is suffering, 
I hope that you can, something which I didn't do, which is the biggest regret of my life. I didn't take my wife by the hand and just drag her in to see someone or get help. I always believed her in saying that, you know, like, I'll be fine. I'll get over it, etc. I just didn't know any better. Again, that's another thing we're not trained on right in school. Yeah. So that is one of those things. That's the story. And, um, but yes, I mean, like my children, you know, had to spend, that's why I had to spend that sabbatical time with them is just spend more time with them, help them adjust and uh, reinvent life. Right. So that's kind of what the last four or five years have been like. Thank you for having the courage to share that and being vulnerable. It, I'm, I'm sure that it's been difficult for you, no matter how many times you share that. It's um, always difficult, but if someone can come up to me five years from now and said, I heard you on the Millionaire Woman show and I was going through something or a family member was going through something, and then they say that it changed or they got help or whatever, then to me, that's, you know, that's why I share it is so that uh, it can impact somebody out there in the audience. Thank you again. You know, I, I love how you have tied things together because that's one of the things that I find most powerful when people are starting businesses or they're growing their business or they're, you know, getting to a point that they're thinking, will this ever work out for me? Yes. And, and they forget that all of these experiences, these little milestones have brought them exactly where they need to be right now. That's right. And I love how, and I like to refer to it as a golden thread. Nice. So how you've taught, you know, kind of sewing all of these pieces together mm -hmm. to bring you into the person you are now and how you're better able to serve people because of those experiences. Totally. I appreciate you saying that. And it's 100% true, right? Like our path leads us kind of our experiences lead us down the path that we kind of have taken. Right. So yeah, that's where I am today. And, that's where kind of the experience led to. And I'll tie into the fact on the, on the real estate side, see, I bond in Edmonton, started again in Oakville. It was that portfolio that I used to take the four year sabbatical. Right. So I had taken steps for a totally different reason, right? Like I was building wealth, uh, young children. I want to build my family's future. Never once did I say on my vision board or whatever, I'm building this real estate portfolio in case my wife passes away. But that's exactly what ended up happening. So uh, I encourage people, again, if you're kind of on that wealth building journey, then um, it's, well, I think what Deborah talks about a lot, right, is, is set your goals, get your objectives, put your plan in place, and then take daily actions, right, towards moving there. And it wasn't easy. It's not supposed to be easy. If it was easy, everyone would do it, and then you wouldn't get the same satisfaction out of it. So, um, but the one good thing is, is that once you do do it, then what comes with that is freedom. I design my days ever completely how I want. I drop my kids off in the morning. I pick them up every day. I literally don't hang out with anybody I don't want to hang out with. Like every day I choose. And I encourage people once again that that's how they should design. Their, it's lifestyle by design. It's not lifestyle by default. And I don't want people to fall into the lifestyle by default, right? This is what I tell my kids all the time again. It's like you have the choice to design your life if you take the necessary steps. It doesn't happen overnight, but if you put your plan together, you can do it. So let me ask you, was it, did you notice when toxicity or toxic relationships showed up in your life um, prior to the passing of your wife, or did you start being more intentional about what you made 
for your decisions every day after that? Um, yes, let's no. The relationship was suffering in that 2011, 2014 period, right? Because again, right. I was not the way now I look back again, we learned so much with 2020, right? But I wasn't being supportive. I didn't know how to handle that, right? Like there were days where my wife couldn't get out of bed or she just dropped the kids off, come home and just get right back into bed. And I'd be the, oh, come on, like what's going on? I did the snap out of it. Oh, worst thing you could possibly say, which again, I didn't know at the time. I would do the snap out of it. You know, the kids need you. And I didn't understand because I didn't know. I didn't know what I didn't know in that case. So but how about the relationships around you as well, like the business well, relationship. Yeah, you know what? It's a it's a really interesting question because before that period, as we were building real estate, I was out at networking events a lot, and I was constantly talking with people, potential partners, and potential colleagues, whatever. Uh, but then you're right when you start getting that situation in your own household where your spouse isn't feeling that great and going through really tough times. Then I, I specifically remember I stopped going to networking meetings because, you know, just when you're in that environment every day, you're a product of your environment, right? And if yeah. the environment's not very positive, then you're not very positive. And then it's tough to be, carry on outside relationships when your internal relationships are suffering. Mm -hmm. So, uh, no, my, I, I think my relation, not suffered, but I was more withdrawn. Mm -hmm. I was starting to pull back. So um, I would make it out to the occasional meeting as opposed to every month I was going to the meeting, right? So that type of example. So my relationships were not strengthened. However, once I went through my sabbatical and I realized that some of the people who had like kind of really stuck by me, then I appreciated those relationships like so much more than before, mm -hmm. um, before that whole thing happened. So our experiences shape us. And now happy to say that, yeah, I have great relationships. I'm a member of two masterminds that have been going on for 10 years. Wow. Um, all real estate investors, all of us. So, you know, like I have really good support in my life. And um, let's just say that, you know, that saying, who would you call at two in the morning if you needed someone or something? Yes. I know, I know who I'd call, right? So it's a, it's a comforting feeling because those relationships have been built like over a decade. Yeah. And I think that that's something also meaningful relationships in life is very valuable. And maybe sometimes don't, you know, people don't see it when they're going through their own toughness, tough situation. Uh, but do try and appreciate, I, I really like your point here, try and appreciate the other relationships that are in your life as well. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, at the time it wasn't that easy. So a question that comes up for me, you know, you're fortunate that you have built a network of maybe other men that you could relate to as well as supporting the men around you through pre prepared fathers. Yes. But I find men in general don't have the same kind of network of girlfriends, right? <laughs> they don't have that same network of guy friends to really support them when they face a, you know, um, a tragedy or a trialing time in their lives. What, what would you recommend to men out there? Yeah, you know what, if you are going through a situation, right, like, it's very important. And I know it's tough, because I saw my wife, she didn't want to reach out, she didn't want to help, uh, to get help. So men, if you think of the old conventional macho, don't ask for directions, like, we know it all. You know, that type of thing is like really old now, right? Like, that's not the way it is now, or it's not the way it should be now. 
So I would encourage guys, if you don't have a support system around you within family and friends, then you reach out. There's support systems for every single issue and every single problem that's out there. You might be getting a divorce. You might be an alcoholic. You, there's all these different things. You might have mental health issues. And there's support groups of other folks who are going through the same thing as you are. And hopefully the folks that are leading them have come out of that. They've gone through what you're going through. Those are the folks you have to get the information from. Your best friend, if he or she is not going through what you're going through, they can be supportive, but they can't be that helpful in terms of here's what you gotta do. The people who've gone through it, they can tell you what you gotta do and be supportive. So there's so you know, that's just an online search. It's yeah. wonderful. When we were younger, you know, like we didn't have phones and we didn't have the internet, et cetera. So I you know, I'm under 50 and I remember all of that stuff where I remember home phones and everything. Like, I've grown up through all that. And now the tools and technology that are available for people, there simply is no excuse. Uh, even if you want to train your kids young, there's no excuse. They all have phones. They can operate a business if they have a phone. Simple. If you need support, there are support groups you can find online if you have a phone. So I, I don't really buy the whole excuses thing. Uh, those are just stories we tell ourselves. Um, yeah, they're not, they're not quite, uh, they're not quite accurate. Sometimes it just makes us feel better, but they're not the reality. And another thing to think about is don't wait until you hit a tough time or a tragedy to build your network of people, that 100%. team around you who supports you, right? Oh, goodness gracious. It's one of those things where um, you would be shocked at all the times that, you know, again, when I'm going through it, I don't necessarily realize it. But the situations, when I look back, how many times I did kind of rely on my network or my mastermind. When I started investing in Edmonton in 2007, it seemed like things that I was buying townhouses in North Edmonton, north of 156 Ave, I was buying townhouses for 275000 With what seemed like overnight, but it basically took six months, they dropped to under 200000 At the time, that was the most devastating thing in my life, right? Like my wife passed later on. So to me... Um, I had mentors that I could talk to about that experience who had already gone through a down cycle, mm -hmm. right? And they could help me adjust and adapt my strategy. That was all created 2005, six, seven. That wasn't immediately I, I had a support network. It was all going out to meetings starting then, right? Right after my son was born in August. I remember I joined my first networking groups in uh, December of that year. So again, there's all lineage behind it. And yeah, join the groups that interest you, that people can support you, and that you can support. It's a lot of give and take in these communities, right? So I would encourage people definitely get out there and part of communities because in today's internet world, sometimes we miss the whole personal, right? The personal connection, just shaking someone in the hand or looking at them in, the, in their face, in their eyes. Like that's, there's still something to be said for that. Mm -hmm. There's value in that for sure. What are the most common blind spots that people have when they're preparing for their financial future? Okay, so we talked about number one is definitely their lack of awareness about yeah. it, right? So we've talked about that, we've addressed it. The next thing is basically when we'll talk tactical now, you know, things like having a will, we've discussed that, having life insurance, especially if you are the sole breadwinner in the family, okay? If you're in one of those situations, that's fine, please make sure that, you know, the general rule of thumb I give is if you have a mortgage, that mortgage amount plus like $25,000 a year for your child to reach 25, 
and $25,000 to $50,000 a year for your spouse, roughly. So you add all those numbers up, that's roughly the amount of life insurance you should be kind of arranging. Now, um, so we've talked about wills, we've talked about life insurance, getting your paperwork organized. Right now, a lot of fathers I've spoken to, they have their financial papers, but they're all over the place. Some of them are online, some of them are offline, some of them are in this desk, some of them are in their phone or on Dropbox. That's not good because if something happens and someone else needs to access your information, like your spouse or the executor of your estate or maybe a sibling, they won't know where anything is. So it's a big blind spot that people are not, again, no one talks about it. No one understands the potential danger of it. Uh, but if something does happen, then uh, family's going to be lost. And that is not a position. Again, they're going to be dealing with whatever happened. Why put a financial burden on top? So the lack of paperwork and organization, that is a big problem. Uh, and by the way, it can be online or offline. That doesn't matter as long as it's in one place. Thoughtfully organized in one place so it's easily found. That is another a big problem. So if people can just handle those ones, then they're well on their way to being financially prepared, right? They don't need to take courses. They don't need to do anything. They can just take some steps and figure this stuff out on their own, especially again, uh, they just download that resource at uh, preparedfathers.com forward slash Deborah, and that will get them that ultimate guide of financial preparation. They, they'll figure it out if they read that. They'll know what they have to do. Thank you so much, Jay, for that gift. So it's been five years. Yes. What are you most proud of, of yourself? You know what? Um, the indications I get from people, uh, I've been called an inspiration a lot. And that, I'm like, to me, I've never ever considered myself that. Because to me, it was like, well, I'm a single father, three kids, five, seven, and nine. Um, crying myself to sleep every night that first year. But at the end of it, when I wake up in the morning, I'd be like, well, now my legacy, or sorry, the legacy I want to build and basically is to help build my wife's legacy. The way to build my wife's legacy is kind of what I do with these three kids. Mm -hmm. So the three kids, the three children are what drive me. They're what motivate me. They, we hear the reason why all of this stuff. So I would like, to me, that's why I never considered it an inspiring thing. I'm like, they're my children. Like, what would I do otherwise? I'm not going to fold up in a ball and just give up. I'm not going to like be upset all the time. I teach them. The one thing that I taught them the most after their mom's passing was, you know, I wanted them to understand the mindset here. It's good things happen in life. Bad things happen in life. The only thing we control is how we react to any of it. So yes, they had to learn this lesson at a very young age, but uh, it is what it is. That's their life. That's what happened. So they now learned that. And now when they have tougher situations, maybe they don't overreact like some of their age might otherwise. It's just because they can put things in perspective. Um, the molehill versus the mountain. I tell them, concentrate on the mountains. Let's not worry about the molehills, right? They're not important. So, uh, you know, Edmonton at the time when I bombed, that was a mountain back then. But now that I look back at after going through my wife's passing, that was really just a molehill, right? So perspective in life changes. So that is something that's so important for people. So that's what I've learned the most is that people say it's inspiring, but to me, it is just, that's being a parent, right? We love our children to the end of the earth and I will make sure that I continue to kind of fight for them and, and teach them 
I, I, my biggest role is to teach them. And that's what wakes me up in the morning is uh, I get real joy out of teaching them stuff. And that, uh, yeah, it's really important to me. Cool. Thank you for sharing that. No, you're welcome. So who is one of your mentors or your favorite book that has really inspired you into action or really got you to reflect and think about the choices that you make in life? Great question. There's so many. Um, after my first child was born, I went on this personal development journey. Back then, the internet was not very strong. We didn't have smartphones yet in 2005, really. We had flip phones. Um, I read like over 150 books that year. So I can tell you the granddaddy of them all for me is still Think and Grow Rich by Napoleon Hill. I think every millionaire or every successful person has read that book or been exposed to that book in some way, shape or form. And uh, there are a lot of others, especially topical ones, real estate investing, et cetera. But when it just comes to the overarching thing, and I actually just wrote, recently wrote this out to my, uh, in my newsletter to fathers was, if you're having trouble with the desire, that's the book I recommend. Uh, is Think and Grow Rich. Yeah, the desire part is huge because if you don't give you that, that. And drive, nobody can give you that. Can't give you that. All the other things we can give you, we can talk about it, we can coach you through, etc. The desire we simply cannot give you, that has got to come from within. For me, it was like a turbocharge the first day I held my son. Yeah. The first day, right? August 13, 2005, I was like, oh man, my life has just changed. So that was for me, the desire, right? The bolt. Whatever the bolt is, it happened that day. And uh, ever since then, yeah, I just wanted to know how millionaires became millionaires. I wanted to secure my family's future. I wanted to be successful, all those things. Um, but yeah, and that's, that's the road that I took, was basically reading and then going into action, right? Like you can't, reading's great, but you gotta actually do stuff too, right? So, so if there was three words you wanted to leave our audience with, what would those three words be? Oh my goodness. Three words. Well, uh, I will say focus, resourcefulness, and expertise. That's the success formula. If you can focus and you can be resourced, it's not about having resources. It's about being resourceful. And if you can develop some expertise in an area, you can be successful. That's the three words I would leave them with. I love that formula. That's very cool. Thank you. All right. Here's my big question before I let you share yourself with the audience and how people can well, stay in touch with there's you. My, there's my 10-year-old. Hello there. Yes. What does it mean to you to live rich from the inside out? Uh, great question. Basically... I believe life is cut up into two things. One is the science of achievement. The other one is the art of fulfillment. And I think that we have to achieve fulfillment internally, right? I don't look at anyone on the outside to give me fulfillment, okay? I look completely inside. Am I happy with the person I am? When I go to sleep at night, is there anything that I'm worried about? Usually the answer is no. And just being a good person. I think that that is very important. Um, to put it out there in the world. I, I'm a big believer in law of the universe. I'm a law of the universe guy. So you put stuff out in the world and it should come back to you tenfold. That is my thing. I don't, I'll never rely on anyone for fulfillment. I need to be fulfilled with um, 
my own things. I need to be fulfilled with the impact I'm making. I compete with nobody. Uh, I just basically am running my own race. So it's my own standard. And I think that's the best answer I can give you is people who got to understand fulfillment doesn't come from social media, likes, followers, any of that crap. It's not that important. It comes from within. That's what I think you're saying internally. So that's, that's my answer. Well, thank you for sharing this powerful interview with us. Please let everybody know how they can stay in touch with you. And I know you had some special things that you've shared throughout the interview. And we'll have those in the description here on YouTube, as mm -hmm. well as in some of the show notes. Sure. Fantastic. So people can reach out to me at uh, j at preparedfathers.com. Still like email. I'm still a little old school with that. We're on all the social medias pretty well. Um, but yeah, for, in terms of the resource, I'm also going to throw in a second resource to, at that same link. So when people go to www.preparedfathers.com forward slash Debra, they'll receive the first resource we already talked about, the ultimate guide to financial preparation. And the second resource they'll receive is how you can intelligently manage your finances using your smartphone. Really applicable to everybody. Um, <laughs> Men, women, mothers, fathers, single people, married people, doesn't matter. Everyone has a smartphone. Everyone has finances. So I, um, I used to be a pretty messy father, even with my accounting background and all that. used to be messy. But now once the phones came and certain apps and et cetera, now everything's really clean and really simple. So people can get that at the same link. They don't have to go to a different link. We'll have both of them. You will give us your uh, preferred email address, and we'll just send you both. Excellent. Thank you so much for being so generous with our audience and uh, very grateful here to have Jay Grabrani on the Millionaire Woman Show from preparedfathers.com. Thank you for joining us, Jay. And everyone, go over to www.debrakazowski.com, grab your three mini part series course on making habits stick so that you can put habits in place to be focused with consistency and use that expertise that Jay talked about mm -hmm. to help you live rich from the inside out. Also go over and subscribe to the Millionaire Woman Show on iTunes. Don't forget about A Minute with Jay as well. And you know, write us a review, give us a five-star high five, let people know about the podcast that you're listening to. And we would love to get your feedback. Do a social media post, um, tag us. We would love to hear more about people out there listening to the Millionaire Woman Show as well as a minute with Jay. As Muhammad Gandhi said, be the change you wish to be in the world. And from Jay and myself, have a great day. Good night.